0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are welcome to today's episode of the Tuned In podcast. Today, we have another guest for you. So our guest is a well-being mindset and performance expert, and he has over two decades of experience in the fitness and well-being industry as a trainer and coach, and he has delivered over 17,000 hours of client training time. His personal challenges include, just wait for this, running 10 back-to-back marathons two 100-mile 24-hour ultra marathons an ironman triathlon and numerous other ultra endurance events he combines his professional and personal experiences with this training in physical and psychological well-being to coach present and share knowledge through the work that he does I have been fortunate enough to see our guest today speak on stage a number of times and each time I have walked away with a new learning that I've been able to integrate into my life. Values being one of those learnings and for anyone that knows me and follows me on social media for quite some time will know how much I adore values and living my life according to my values. In today's episode, we talk about the area of goal setting, how to go about bringing a more permanent change structure to our goals, how to go about building systems, habits, and rituals when wanting to achieve our goals. We talk about motivation and what exactly it is. We talk resilience. We talk values. This episode will serve a great deal for anyone who is at the very beginning of their goal setting journey but also to the person who wants to take their goals to the next level. So it is my honor to welcome today's guest, George Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's episode of the Tuned In podcast. I am very excited for today's guest, but before I introduce him, I want to remind you, the listener, why I named the podcast the name that I did, the Tuned In Podcast. I believe our greatest teacher is within us, and that when we take the time to turn inwards and tune in to what it is that is within us, that is where our greatest lessons lie. We get to understand ourselves on a deeper level and this is the very thing I believe that helps us to move forward if it be with the goals or the person that we want to become saying that I also believe that we need help along the way and there are people that are put on this planet as teachers to help guide us and to help teachers and I believe that today's guest is one of those teachers so George Anderson, you are very welcome to the Tuned In podcast. Good oh, morning. thanks,
1: and What um, powerful words there as well. I think you're absolutely right. There is this balance, isn't there, between looking for guidance outside of ourselves, but at the same time, just listening to that little voice within ourselves as well, and not discounting that.
0: Absolutely. It's very important. It's so true. It's so true. So before we get stuck into the questions. With the introduction that people will have heard before this conversation, the challenges, the personal challenges that you have completed is just aside from it being inspiring, it's just insane. 10 back to back marathons, what is it, two 100 hour, 100 mile, 24 hour marathons? Like it's,
1: it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is, it's,
0: it's, it's it, as I said, it's inspiring. But I'm intrigued to know when you started each of those challenges, when you decided to take on the first challenge, did you have a foundation there or was this something that you learned as you went along, what you needed to have in your toolkit, as we say, or was was there a foundation there? Did you understand, okay, this is how I need to be, this is what I need to do to get me to that outcome? What, where did it all start?
1: You know, it's so funny you asked that, that, that 10 marathons in 10 days was, oh, must've been close to eight years ago that I did that. And yet right now I'm, I'm working on some, uh, some writing and some, uh, some speaking engagements that, that are going to really open up this exact question that you just asked. So funny that you asked that about how did it begin and, and what were essentially what were the steps and did I already have it all planned out? And the answer was no, I didn't. And, I for I I suppose for a long time I was always in awe of and inspired by many people who I have in in my life who I'm happy to count as friends who have done some incredible feats of endurance that make running 100 miles in 24 hours look like a a warm-up frankly (laughs) and not that this this isn't about comparisons or, or or anything but I had always seen those individuals and the achievements that they'd uh, accomplished and and it was almost they were they were they were different kinds of people there was something about them they'd been bestowed with these magical qualities and there was almost like there was this divide between me and other normal people and and them these super humans and and then somebody had just asked me this question when I was telling them about uh, another idea I I'd had had. And I was telling about all these amazing things that my friends had done. And he just asked me the question, why don't, why don't you do something like that? And it really just stopped me and, and made me ask myself that question, not just in that situation, but but in other areas as well. Like, why not me? And actually, if, if there's a Jim Rohn, uh, series of Jim Rohn questions. He, he asks, you know, why, why not, why not you, why not now? And that question of why not you, or in this case, why not me? it just made me think, well, yeah, well, I didn't really have an answer. Why not me? Why, why couldn't I, why shouldn't I go and attempt something like that? So I, I guess the answer to the question, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I surrounded myself with people who did um, our mutual friend, Joey Duffy being one of them. He was a big inspiration and having previously done 32 marathons in 32 days, I figured he was pretty well qualified to help me uh, guide me along the way. So he he did just that. He really mentored me through that process and, helped me with the physical and the mental elements of it and uh, I just even going into it knew that there were so many questions that I had to answer there and then I didn't have all of the answers but that was the part of do- that was the point of doing it I figured I'd be okay for doing the first three marathons but after that point there it could have gone any direction <laughs> so I was lucky that I managed to get through to the end or maybe not just lucky but I was thankful that I got to the end and did all ten but I think sometimes you've got to go into these things and just be prepared to fail, not want to fail, but be prepared to fail. I know that actually even that that's an outcome in and of itself. And and that's okay as well.
0: Mm -hmm. What was your biggest learnings? Have you a mutual learn from each of those events that you've done or is there one that stood out the most?
1: Yeah, I think I have got I have got learnings from each of them. I, I think the whole point of doing anything like that, it's it is pointless. Right, running around in circles for an entire day, which is essentially what a 24-hour ultramarathon is, <laughs> um, is completely pointless until you look at what are you getting out of it yourself. And again, another wonderful Jim Rohn quote, one of my favorites, is he says, Don't set a goal for what you will achieve, but rather for what it will make of you in order to achieve it. And when you really strip that back, it's like, well, what's the point in achieving anything if you don't learn something about yourself along the way? If you don't grow as a person, what's the point of a challenge if it doesn't change you? And certainly with the 10 and 10, I learned a lot about my own, the, the shift I went from, that's a thing that other people do to, hey, this is something that I could do uh, myself if I wanted to. That was one of the big shifts, but but probably one of my, my favorites and most uh, sort of fundamental shifts I had was when I was doing the first 24 hour ultra and you go around this five mile loop and my goal was to do it 20 times, so hundred miles. And it was about four o'clock in the morning, 65 miles into this run 35 miles to go and I was sitting down in this chair for a little rest because I was a bit tired by that point <laughs> and <laughs> I was sitting down and I was quitting slowly uh, every moment I was sitting in this chair I was getting less and less likely that I was going to get back up again and I was really overwhelming myself with this idea that I had to go and run another 35 miles it's still a long way even though I'd just done 65 and the big shift for me was to realize that I didn't have to go and run 35 miles I just had to get out of the chair because I knew that if I got out of that chair then I'd probably end up getting out of the athlete station and if I got out of the athlete station I'd get up the first hill get up the first hill I'll do the first mile do the first mile I'll probably come back and I'll run another lap and just telling myself all you got to do is get out of the chair George that was all I had to do it all of a sudden it became much more manageable and I think that's I guess it's the equivalent of how do we eat an elephant one bite at a time, isn't it? But it's really helped me in so many other areas of my life as well, where I felt overwhelmed and there's just been so many unknowns. I was like, well, what's the next thing that I can do? How can I get out of the chair and just start? And because when you start, you make a little bit of progress and then your perspective shifts. And then you start building that belief. You start building that momentum. And and then hey presto, all of a sudden you've achieved what you didn't think you'd be able to achieve when you were sitting there feeling all, Sorry for yourself and overwhelmed.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing. So, what approach do you have when you're working with clients that they have a goal, they have an outcome that they want to achieve? Do you get them to see it from an outcome point of view, or is it about the person, the identity? Because I know goals can be viewed, and this is where I even find it confusing. Should I be leaning towards the outcome that I want to get, or is it more about? becoming a person an identity that the person that you want to become what way do you start it off with a client
1: yeah i think it is both actually Celine. you can't just say well look, you have to become a really strong person uh or you have to develop more of these characteristics i think there is something very powerful about an outcome as well and i don't think there's anything wrong with being driven by uh how you want other people to see you as well for example, whether it's running ultramarathons or losing weight or getting a promotion or having a certain level of income, all of those things, they're all external, but there's going to be some internal stuff in there as well going on. So I think finding the balance between the two and certainly a, a starting point when I'm talking to my clients about their goals is to is to really understand the getting the clarity on what the goal, what success looks like, what it feels like how they'll know when they when they get there and how they'll know when they're making progress towards it as well. But but equally, yes, it is to, to know about, well, what's, how are you going to have to change? Like, why haven't you achieved that before if you've tried it and you failed or you've tried it and you've come up against setbacks or adversity? Why didn't you push through that? And I think exploring our weaknesses, exploring our tendencies to self-sabotage or to undercut our own best intentions rather than just saying to myself well this time is different this time I'm motivated it's not going to happen this time we we know that that's not true because most of us have undone ourselves several times in a row and that that can be frustrating as well so um i remember one of the first conversations actually we had was about your uh, chocolate
0: yeah uh, do you remember
1: that like way back in yes. one of the early moments when you came to it, uh, you you said that you you started the change chain with chocolate Like blogging each day that you didn't have chocolate and, and then you just had this great long snake of a a change, Uh, but you'd obviously gone through right today. I'm not going to eat any chocolate or this week I'm not going to eat. And and they'd reneged on that. I think that's such a common thing. And so when it comes to goals, it's not enough just having a strong enough reason why I wanted to do this. Uh, We we need to get this balance between this is important for me, but also here's an outcome and this is why it makes sense. And this is also then going to lead to that as well. Because, we all know that you achieve one goal and it's it's not the end. It's always a stepping stone to something else.
0: To something else, absolutely. Are you a believer in setting dates? This is just now in the moment, this question, setting dates for a goal that if you have an outcome or should it be a case of leaving the date open? That again, let's say, for instance, I come to you and say, George, do you know what I'm thinking about? achieving 10 back-to-back marathons. I haven't set if it is a case I want to do it this year or if it's in the next three years. What's your Mm. opinion on that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question because it's so uh, divisive, I think, as well, isn't it? You'll have those people who fall into the, every goal has to be smart, has to be Mm. specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. So you have to have that deadline. A goal without a deadline is just a dream, right? We know this. But that's one argument. The other argument is to say, well, take something like, I mean, take take the idea of running a race, like a 5K. I want to be able to run a 5K race. And at the moment, I can't run at all. So that's my goal. Uh, and there's a race on March the 1st. That's when I'm going to do it. Okay. So you, you you have a date and you know when that race is going to take place and you can't change that. That's what it is. So you have a deadline and it's it's a part of the goal. That's the case sometimes, or maybe you want to lose weight or get into a certain clothes size for a wedding. You can't move the date of the wedding. That's when it is. So that's your deadline. But most of the time, we can't really know, especially if it's a long range goal, exactly how our progress is going to go. So the deadline a date will give us a bit of structure around it, will maybe hold our feet to the fire to give us some momentum and motivation to take action. Now we can't procrastinate. We can't leave this because that's when I'm going to achieve this plan have told everybody. And I've got that social contract and accountability. So it, there can be some, some power behind having a date there, but we also have to be a little bit flexible because take something like weight loss or gaining fitness um or, or even learning a foreign language or uh, doing some work towards some exams you can't guarantee that the progress you're going to make is going to be on this nice linear path so i'm going to lose two pounds a week for the next six weeks or at least 12 pounds that's how it's going to work you, you can control the inputs you can't always control the outputs and really what you're doing is you're making a best guess as to how you're going to get on with that um, and, and I think that's where it can get quite dangerous because the moment you start slipping off the outputs, even though your inputs have being good, you've been doing all of the right things. Um, sometimes it's not a linear result, but a re- relationship between input and output. So when you see that output drop, the weight on the scales isn't reducing as much or you're not getting as fit because you've got a bit of a plateau at the moment or uh, you're, you're overworking yourself. Whatever the reason is, you get that plateau and all of a sudden, well, this isn't working. I'm not going to hit my deadline. What's the point? And and then you derail yourself instead of accepting that there's going to be a bit of a delay. I think that's what that's more catastrophic for a goal is completely disengaging from it because you're not any longer on track for reaching it by the deadline.
0: Yeah, that's that's that makes so much sense. And I think it's so it's so important because I have fallen victim to, to that before. And what I find myself nowadays, there as such, there's some form of a fear to like so, I have my vision boards over over to my right shoulder here, and I have there is one particular goal, and I'm going to talk about it. And I don't talk about my vision boards on social media; I, I keep them to myself. Um, but I have a big goal. I would love to write a book. It is within me. I will do it someday. And in the past, I have put. Not necessarily a date to it, but this year I will start the process. But I have decided to park aside setting a date on it because whatever happens in that year or other goals have come into place, or just work has veered off this direction, or if it could be my personal life, something has has taken place on front of it. So I've decided. To take the date away, it's still on my vision board. It is a dream that will come through. I can say that with one hundred percent guarantee. But for me, I think it it was one of those goals that I've decided to take that deadline out of it, um, and I think it has worked for me. And it's not to say that I do that with all my goals. I have goals that I want to achieve for this year. They have, you know, they've been given a deadline, but. It's just, it's interesting because I do think people mm-hmm. do fall victim to it from time to time.
1: And writing a book is a great example, right? Because we don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. Like you could write the first 90% in in a month, in two months, mm-hmm. and that last 10% and the editing and the publishing and all the rest of it, that could take another three months mm-hmm. to do. So it's, it's very difficult, especially when it's your first book, to know how long it's going to take. And people will advise you and you can get some guidance on that. But when you have that deadline and it's absolutely immovable, then you it can end up, you can become a slave to it rather than it yes. serving you. And if the, writing a book is gonna serve you because it's gonna allow you to get your message out there, then that's what it should do. It shouldn't enslave you. Um I think setting a date for the thing the things that you need to do, that's that's where the power is. And and of course the two things link into each other, right? So if let's say you decided, well, I want to write a book. Um, And it doesn't matter when I do it kind of clearly you probably would like to write a book in the sooner rather than later. So we're not talking 10, 20 years down the line, but you might say, well, okay, I need to, um, I want to do my outline. I'm going to book in some time this Friday to write the outline of the book. I'm going to spend two hours and that's it. So if that's what I'm going to do, and then there's the deadline, by the end of this week, I will have the deadline, the uh, outline of the book written. And so we can create these deadlines and these timestamps for, the actions that we're going to take rather than the outcomes that we're hoping is eventually going to be on the other end of those out, those inputs. And I think there's real, again, feet to the fire. There's, there's motivation when it comes to doing that, because it's like, well, that's when I'm going to do it. And you, you block it into your diary. Um, but there isn't the same pressure of your kind of crossing your fingers and hoping that the things you're doing are going to get you to where you need to be by a certain date that you just essentially just made up out of thin air. Um, because you don't know all the all all the the ins and outs of writing a book at this stage
0: you have voiced motivation uh, a few times so let us go there what is motivation what is it not in your opinion
1: it, so mo- motivation is a biological state, actually. It's not just the psychological state where you feel motivated. Well, I mean, you do feel motivated, but it's it's more of a sort of the chemical reactions inside your brain and body that are going off, that are giving you this, this sensation of feeling motivated and driven towards something. Uh, there's a lot being written and spoken about the molecule dopamine at the moment, which is a molecule that I've been fascinated by. And and it's certainly it's links into motivation recently. Um, and when you feel motivated, usually that's because you've got an increase in this background level of dopamine that's been released into your brain. And when you have that, you get put on the pathway, on the track for going after the thing that's important to you. Uh, and that might be writing a book, you feel very motivated to go and sit down and do that book outline for two hours, it might feel like you, you wake up in the morning, and you spring out a bit because you're motivated to go to the gym, or you're motivated to cook a healthy dinner, or you're motivated to go to the meeting that you can do some networking at that's going to have some career progression potential. So we can be motivated and feel motivated to do those things. But we can also feel motivated to sit down and scroll through social media, endlessly and aimlessly. We can feel motivated to eat the chocolate when, you know, sit on the couch, have a glass of wine and, and do nothing for the evening instead of doing the things that we said we were going to do. We can feel motivated to do the quote unquote wrong things according to the goals that we've laid out and the things we've said we were going to do. So motivation doesn't really care what the thing is. It will drive us whichever direction we essentially we, we, we set our sights on. I think the challenge that a lot of people have is they'll say, well, I just don't don't have the motivation. And that's not true. Usually it's that we don't have the motivation to do the things that we want to do. And I don't know that many people who do genuinely spring out of bed in the morning and are really so excited about going to the gym. Like first thing in the morning, when you're usually still pretty tired and low energy, because we're still transitioning from sleep to wake and, and then full speed ahead down at the gym or a class, Um, So it's not just about motivation. I think if we relied on motivation to do what we need to do, then we'd probably be in trouble, right? Because it's fickle. We don't always have that same level that's going to put us on that, that, that track, that pathway. And that's where systems and routines and habits come in because then it becomes more of an automatic. thing. that's just what you do. Even if you don't want to do it, you're still getting up and you're going to do that thing. Go to the gym, sit down, do the two hours of writing your book outline, go into the networking meeting, even though you perhaps wouldn't, would rather sit at home with the chocolate and the glass of wine and the night on the couch. So motivation can help us, but we don't want to rely on it to, to, to be the thing that drives us to take all of the actions that we need to take to achieve those goals. <laughs>
0: anyone that is listening to this episode today how do they go about building a system they have again if it be a particular goal that they are trying to achieve or it's a a person that they want to become where do they start
1: well it usually boils down to being really clear on what their behaviors are so if you for example you decide you wake up one morning and you you've set this goal of uh, let's say losing weight, right? That's an, an industry in an area that you and I are both very familiar with, having worked in it. And uh, we know that a lot of people listening to this will probably have that. At some point will be on their goal or they'll know somebody else. So let's just use that as an example. You wake up in the morning and you say, okay, today I'm going to eat more healthily, right? That I feel motivated to eat healthily because I want to achieve this goal and it's something that's important to me. But eating healthily is just so vague. It's not a, It's not a thing. You can't just eat healthily you, there are things that you do that will be examples of you eating healthily i think that's where a lot of people maybe fall down it's not being super clear enough as to exactly what they're going to do and when they're going to do it as well so for example you might decide well as a part of this new regime or this new approach to life that i'm going to have when you approach to nutrition i'm going to have a bowl of soaked oats for breakfast i'm going to get up and within probably an hour after I've woken up, I'm going to have this bowl of soaked oats and you know exactly how much you're going to have, you know, what you're going to add to it uh, and you know, how to make it. And you're going to visualize yourself doing it. And that's the thing. And you can do that. Now that that's, that's what I start my day with. Not to say that that's what everyone should, but that would be an example. And then you might say, well, at, um, at lunchtime, I'm going to have I, the pre-prepared, um, kind of roasted vegetables or salad or, tofu whatever it might be that you decided you're going to eat for lunch and you're going to take that with you into the office and you're going to have that so again you've been very specific and explicit about what you're going to have when you have the vagueness of i'm just going to get healthy or eat healthily it's it's not enough for the brain to really hook onto, and so you find yourself defaulting to what you have already always done and your brain knows how to do that it knows that you're going to get unfortunately sugar and um high fatty high sh- high salt foods they will give us this little kick up and dopamine as well they'll give us this little nudge and they'll make us feel good and so we're getting the, the sense of motivation to eat those foods and then we're not doing this this eat healthily thing that we said we were going to do when we woke up in the morning so being clear being specific I'd say is one of the most fundamental steps in building any kind of routine or habit just get really really specific about what you're actually going to do rather than being vague
0: mm-hmm. How do you build your resilience to to these, quote unquote, what we call failure? So someone might let if we stick with that same example of wanting to lose weight, wanting to be healthy and we have one bad day and we attach everything to that we think we have failed. What is the point? I just might as well give up. How do we build our resilience to that? Because I think it and it comes to the conversation that I want to have with you uh, today with regards to that a lot of us we know it's getting to the point of being able to to do and we know we've heard time and time again that there this is life life is not linear There are always going to be up and down days and we know that but yet we still attach ourselves to our failures so what would you say to someone that that maybe they're nodding in agreement as they're listening to this how would they go about build, building the resilience?
1: A lot of us have these, before we go into something new that we haven't done before, we have these ideas in our mind, these stories perhaps that that actually, this is something that I don't know how to do, or this is something I failed at before. I've been up and down, on the wagon, off the wagon, um, all in, all or nothing really is all then nothing. I think for most of us, isn't that, that, that approach? So we have these stories already, and then when we experience that slip up, it, it it feeds into that old narrative, no matter how motivated you might've felt and really committed to this, the, the deep sense of why and purpose behind why you wanted to make these changes. Uh, you have that little deviation from the plan and all of a sudden it's going, it's feeding back into that narrative of, see, I, I knew you wouldn't be able to do this. Who are you to think that you'd be able to stick to this? And you're never going to be able to do this. And those stories to start raging back around in our heads again uh, and so then we end up doing things that are much more in alignment with that old narrative which is just falling off the wagon it can just be literally a small slip up like having a, a biscuit when you told yourself you're going to have a piece of fruit and then you have those osodic oh, moments and then that's it some people will start again the next day some people will start again on monday some people just won't start again until it gets too painful once more for them to uh, to be in that 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 old situation so it goes into something i know you speak a lot about which is around self compassion and self love and and really just giving yourself a bit of a break and we all know the old adage progress not perfection but but it really does make a difference if you if you yes fall down less sure we want to make fewer mistakes we want to be more we want to stick to the program the plan more rigorously if we can but but beyond just falling down less we want to be able to get up faster and minimize the amount of time that we're spending essentially offline off plan be, by just allowing ourselves that humanness of of, of deviating and think well it's okay in the bigger picture it's okay it's a biscuit it's not the end of the world even if it's a packet of biscuits it's still fine you just get back on track because if you think about take nutrition as a, as a as a case in point here i think all of us have had that experience of eating something that's high in sugar or very stodgy or um, kind of big and not the kind of food that we'd regard as being healthy. And it's not just the, maybe the shame or the guilt that goes with it. It's also just that general lethargy and ugh, low motivation, low feelings of energy and drive that comes off the back of that. Now that's not great for your performance. That's not great for making you feel ready to engage with your work or with your relationships or the other people around you or your hobbies or even your own mental health. And so now all of a sudden nutrition isn't just about lose weight, tone up. It's also about, well, actually I want to feel good and okay. I've just had a packet of biscuits, but doesn't mean I can't still feel good this afternoon by having something healthy to eat or, uh, or, or just parking that one thing that I've done and get back on track fast. So we get this fall down, less, get up faster, which is really that progress, not perfection. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be all then nothing. This horrible yo yo cycle of 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 all and nothing we can make more consistent um more fulfilling progress if we just keep our eye on the the real goal which is to in nutrition's case to give us the energy that we need to go through our day to day feeling feeling like we're able to uh to, to do what we need to do
0: what's your what's your own go um go to I'm going to say mindset hacks or mindset tools that you have, that you use on a daily basis. Is there anything that you, that you, as I said, you yourself use, but that you would be recommending to your clients that you feel is a must?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm very, I guess, tuned in now over years of doing this to my own self-talk. And I think we all have well, I know we all have self-talk, right? We all say things to ourselves and some of it's really encouraging, but not all of it, <laughs> funnily enough. Sometimes we can be quite mean and horrible to ourselves. I love it when people say, oh, well, would you speak to your best friend like that? And I think to myself, well, I wouldn't say it out loud, <laughs> but I might think it. <laughs> so, you know, we, 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 we can't get away from the fact that we have this, this narrative, we have these things that we say to ourselves inside of our own heads. Um, And one of the things that I'm really, really particular about is having what I regard as a zero tolerance policy uh, for bad language. (laughs) So if I if I catch myself uh, doubting myself or if I catch myself saying anything that I got no real evidence to support, like I'm never going to be able to do this or, you know, he's such an idiot or if I haven't got enough evidence to to really back up these claims that I'm making inside my head, then I just I, I don't berate myself for using that kind of language. I just I just move on. Or I'll I'll try to replace it with something that's more, not even more positive, more helpful, more accurate. So I'm a big believer in accurate thinking, helpful thinking rather than negative or unhelpful or um inaccurate thinking, where we're just making things up, which is what we do a lot of the time. So it's a bit of a, a an umbrella mindset technique if you will or hack but i think it's it's powerful that when we do find ways to tune into our own inner voice and we have a little bit of self-compassion with ourselves as well for, for whatever we say to recognize that we don't have to we don't have to believe it but we don't even have to be saying those things we can just choose to say something different mm-hmm and the more we work at that the easier it becomes not just to pick it up in the first place but then to replace those things to challenge to change those things that we're saying because those things that we're saying are like the tip of the iceberg and beneath the surface of the water we've got this bulk of the iceberg which are all of our beliefs so the things we're saying are really just giving us some insights into our beliefs if you can change some of the things we're saying then actually we start having some Opportunities there to change the the beliefs that we have that are that are supporting the, that that story.
0: I voiced this to you when I had reached out to you with regards to asking you <clears throat> to be on the podcast. That I I've had you on my list of people that I've wanted to interview for quite some time, and I genuinely mean that. And I had the topic of values in mind because, and again, as I I've said to you, and I've said it in my introduction that i am the person that i am today because of my values and i learned so much the year you spoke of momentum about values do you bring values into consideration when you're working with your one to one clients or can you just run through because i i because i felt when go back with this that originally the topic that I want to speak about was just values but I felt that there was so much more to talk to you to you about today but going back to the question that I asked do you bring values into um when you're working with your one to one clients what would you say to someone that is trying to set their values but they just can't seem to to get them down on paper what would you what would you voice to someone
1: yeah, I absolutely do uh, work with values with my my one to one clients. It's the foundation and of of everything, I think. And if you think about companies, and most companies will have a very clear set of values, and you know, whether or not they actually live by those values is another matter. But they'll at least have written them out, and they'll have them somewhere, either buried on their website or emblazoned on the walls of their headquarters. But when it comes to ourselves, we, we perhaps don't have those values stated explicitly. We have the values. I think we all have values. Mm-hmm. And we're, I'd like to think that most of us have, say, honesty and integrity as values. Yeah. That's what allows us to have society is, is where it functions more or less. But we all have those other core values that are just really important. And I think when you can start to uncover what they are, then it makes it easier for you to filter other decisions through. So if, for example, somebody who's having challenges with their career, they're not really sure if they're in the right role or they're having challenges with another individual or a relationship or whatever it might be where the challenge lies So they're looking to bring about some change in their lives or even just understand with a bit more clarity and to make a decision. I think when, when you know what your values are, it makes those things a lot easier because you just it's like a filter you just run them through. and it answers your to your your other question, which was well how do you start figuring out what they are? I think a good starting point is to identify those moments where you feel like you're really either angry with something or frustrated with something or somebody does something to you or around you and it really gets your back up and you just feel this really a strong intense emotional reaction to it that's usually an indication that there's a value that's being transgressed and and that's usually a good place to start exploring I always start with an, almost a negative when it comes to values work, finding out, well, how do you know when you're not living your value? Uh, how does it feel? What what are some of the things you're doing? What, what are you saying to yourself or saying to other people when you're not living these values? Uh, and that's often easier for people to figure out than it is to say, well, what are you doing when you're living your value? of Whether it's passion or freedom or family or love or kindness or fun, whatever the value is. Because we tend to notice those strong visceral emotional reactions in the absence of a value or a transgression of a value than we do when we're just yeah we're doing okay I'm I'm living in alignment with my values that's less that's less obvious for uh, for a lot of us.
0: That's fascinating. I loved how you use that word filter. That it's like do you, <clears throat> your choices as go go through that filter. Your values. It's very very interesting. What would you say to someone that is listening to this episode? That again, they want to change. Where, not necessarily change, but if if again, if it be um, wanting to achieve a certain outcome or change, if it if they want to be um, somebody, they have an identity that they want to move towards. Where would you ask them to begin? What exactly would you map out with map out with them uh, for them at the very at the very beginning?
1: Again, I think it comes down to being really specific, not just with the kind of person that they want to be, like values and strengths and characteristics. They're all quite nebulous until you start blocking them into, well, how would I, as an individual external to you, how would I observe you doing more of that? Like, let's say you want to be more patient. Mm-hmm. That's because that, that, that might be something that people have found that the patience has really been tested, especially over the last few years. And so you know, I just feel like I really need to be more patient or I need to be more kind. Well, how would I be able to see that you're doing that? What are some of the things that you'll be doing? What are the behaviors that you'll be engaging in? And, and normally that's a real conversation, not conversation stopper, but it kind of stops you in the tracks. Like, oh, I don't know, I have really thought about that. But when you do think about that, when you do think about what those behaviors would be, then now all of a sudden you've got some very specific things. Because it's not just one thing; it would be lots of things in lots of different scenarios. Whether it's with your kids or with your partner or with with somebody who's maybe a little bit difficult at work, how would what would kindness look like there? What would understanding look like? What would patience look like in those situations? What does I want to be a more attentive father? What does that look like? Well, it means for me, it means putting my phone away when my kids are around me, or it means paying attention to them when they're speaking to me and not being distracted by the book that I'm reading or or ask them to wait for a couple of minutes till I finish this. And then now, now you're, I'm all yours. Let's do something together. That's me being an attentive father. You could observe me doing that, but I could just go through every day saying, oh, I wish I was a more, more attentive father. And, and not having those specific examples. So being really clear on what it means to you to, to be these things is the first thing. And I think just one other thing that came to my mind as you were asking the question is getting around other people who you see embodying those characteristics. So if you want to set a goal and a part of that goal is going to help you become more X, Y, or Z, get around other people who are more X, Y, and Z already. And that's just how they are. It, it rubs off on us. And I don't know who it was that said, I don't even know if it's really kind of true, but with the average of the five people we spend most of our time with, maybe it's not five, maybe it's 10, maybe it's just the two people depending on intensity, depending on frequency of of interactions. But I think we can all agree that if you're around other people who are resonating at this higher wavelength that you want to resonating at as well uh, with your characteristics, your strengths, your values, and your beliefs about what's possible as well, then getting around those people is gonna help. It certainly isn't gonna hinder you, it's gonna help you.
0: What stops a person from, from being at that stage of knowing that they're nodding in agreement that they've heard this before, but yet they're not doing it? What, where, (laughs) and I've I've heard this I've heard this before I remember in the past having a conversation with someone and they were talking about a workshop and they had voiced that they felt you know it was a great workshop but you know they were like well it's nothing that I haven't heard before but yet as the person I was talking to they were like they're not doing it yet you know they're complaining that they haven't achieved x y and said how do they move from the point of knowing to doing
1: yeah, bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Yes, right? and yes. Yeah. Some, so sometimes that's with just a specific task. So getting up in the morning and drinking a glass of water, I want to be more hydrated. So therefore I will have that glass of water and then actually doing it, setting the glass out the night before and making sure that it's there. And that's the first thing that you do. So there are some times where um, just being really clear on what it is you need to do, it is all you need to do. And then you just build that, mm-hmm. that neuromuscular Pathway, that that almost that mind muscle that this is the way you do it. And then it becomes easier. The threshold of firing becomes lower. And all of a sudden, this is just what you do. That's fine for things like eating a piece of fruit at 10 o'clock in the morning or having a glass of water or going to the gym after work. But it's sometimes it's harder when it comes to how we want to change um, ourselves and um you know, there's a, a tons of examples around that we've already talked about out there, but how do you say, well, I want that. How do I do that? Because I just haven't managed to get off the ground yet with it. And, and sometimes it comes back to, again, exploring, well, first of all, what what is the real driver behind that? What is it that you're trying to change? You're really trying to change. And why is that important? Who else is going to be impacted by that? And wh- what are the consequences of staying where you are and continuing with the way that you are at the moment? Because actually sometimes, Celine, the consequences... They're not. They're not dire enough mm-hmm. to, to to really drive the change. And it's the the thing would change. Is, it steps us into the unknown and out of the safety of what we do know. Uh, and even if that safety is not really a hundred percent what we want, it's still sometimes far better than the unknown and what might be on the other side of that. So it, it can take a while. I think this is the other thing that that is worth worth bearing in mind for anybody who's been in that situation before sometimes it can take two or three passes of the same information for you to maybe more four five six plus passes of the same information maybe just presented in a slightly different way over a period of time days weeks months years even before all of a sudden it's like ah now i know what i have to do now i'm ready for it Uh, i'm sure you've made changes in your life celine where you've you, you've meant to make changes. You've wanted to make changes, uh, and you haven't. And then all of a sudden, something clicks. Maybe something you saw at Momentum, or something you went, so you read somewhere else, or listened to another podcast. All of a sudden, oh, I never really thought of it that way. Yes, now I know what. The, same information, Absolutely. just presented in a slightly different way. I think sometimes we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to feel like now I've I've been to that workshop, and uh, now I should know how to be more resilient. I, I get this, I try to call it out in the, the workshops that I deliver when I'm working with corporate clients. If I talk about well-being or mental health, for example, I go in there, I say, look, just because you've been to this workshop, your employers and me, we're not expecting you now to, well, you've been on George's well-being workshop or stress optimization workshop. Well, you've got all the tools. What, what's the matter with you? You should be able to deal with this 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 pressure now. And that that's not the case. It's like getting these nudges and taking the pressure off yourself to feel like you've got to have it all figured out and all fixed. Um, And I, I do think there's still something quite powerful in what I spoke about earlier with the get out of the chair and whatever metaphor and analogy works best for you, but to be able to just, what's one small thing I can do to change, to bring about just a little bit of change, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not enough, but what can I do that's going to bring about a little bit of change that will just put me on that path that makes me start feeling like, OK, something's happening. There's a bit of a shift here, even if a, there's a lot a lot more time and work still to come.
0: Fantastic. I personally believe that I will be listening back to this episode. There are so many pieces of nuggets there. George, thank you so much for, for chatting to me today. I truly, truly appreciate it.
1: Oh, Thanks for having me, Celine.